All right. New year, new you. Who's ready? Yeah. How many of you are glad to see 2022 in the rearview mirror? <laughs> you, you realize that the, the more the years go by, the greater our exasper or the greater our joy is to get past one year into another one, right? New year, new you. I, I didn't see Cody, but I'm sure some of you didn't raise your hand or some of you did about New Year's resolutions. It's not as much a thing probably as it used to be. But my guess is, is that most everybody, when it comes to getting to the end of the year, does a little bit of introspection, does a little bit of thinking. You know, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but I did make one this year. I made a resolution, and here's my resolution. My resolution is to help all my friends gain 20 pounds. That's my resolution. I I, I tried it the other way, and I'm tired of failing. So I'm just going to resolve to help everybody around me gain 20 pounds. All right? Uh, but new year, new you. How do you do that, right? How do you become new you? How do you do that? I mean, there's a billion self-help books out there. Um, there's a billion simple ways that we know to do it, and yet somehow many of those seem beyond our reach. And as far as spiritually goes, right, how do we become new year, new you? And I think sometimes we've made it just a little too complicated in the process, and so I want to try to simplify that process for you today through a text. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to use Mark 6. Mark 6 is where we're going to be. We're going to start at verse 30. So if you've got your Bibles, you've got your iPhones, uh, you've got your Bible app on something, I'm going to ask you to pull that up uh, and join, uh, join with us as we walk through Mark chapter 6. We're not going to stand and read all the verses together just because there's a multitude of them. And so we're going to read them in each point, right? But New Year, New You. How do we learn how to get from where we're at today spiritually to where we need to be or want to be next year, right? What's the key to getting there? And so in Mark chapter 6, Jesus or Mark tells the story, right, through Peter's eyes and perspective of what he saw in this story. And the story that we relate to is a story that's found in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. And in it... I just want to point out a few things that I think can help us have a new year, new you. And so in Mark chapter 6, this is the first thing we're going to see. What compassion sees. What does compassion see? So here's what it says in Mark 6, just to get the narrative started, right? The apostles gather around Jesus and report to him all that they had done and taught. Jesus had sent out the disciples, right, the followers of 70 of them, two by two. And he had sent them out basically to do ministry. He said, you go out, right, and you do the work two by two, right? Don't take anything for yourself. If somebody puts you up, stay. If they don't, move on. So they've come back, and they're telling Jesus what they've experienced. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Stay right there, Lori. Back up just one verse, right? So here's what you see. These people have an agenda, right? They got a schedule, right? Listen, they've been out two by two doing all kinds of crazy things. They show up, they're telling Jesus, people are everywhere, right? People are everywhere. Jesus is about two years into his ministry here. There are people everywhere, right? And Jesus says, let's get away and let's get some quiet time so we can rest, right? And we can eat. You ever have a plan that doesn't get to happen? Right? Well, they've got a plan. And it says, bring that, go on the next verse there, Lord. So they went away. So they follow the plan. They get by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But look what happens. 
Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them. So they were going to have a welcoming party when they were trying to get away from everybody. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, everybody online, everybody in the land, everybody here, read this with me. He had compassion on them. So they had this plan. They need to get away. And when they get there, here comes the crowd. And Jesus sees them and has compassion. It says that, here's why. Because they were sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now, if you're the disciples and you've just come back from a long missionary journey or serving the Lord and you're exhausted and all of a sudden Jesus says, let's get away. And then you go away and the thousands upon thousands of people show up. You think you might be a little irritated? Yes or no? Yeah, probably. So these people are there and Jesus, instead of shooing them away, he decides to sit down and teach them. Now my irritation's even higher. Right? It says by the time it was, by this time it was late in the day. And so the disciples, now you get to see their heart about the situation. The disciples come to Jesus and here's what they say. It's a remote place, right? It's late. He says, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside, he said, and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So Jesus is talking with them. Speaking with them because he had compassion on them. Disciples say, send them home. Get them out of here. It's late. Make them go get something to eat. Jesus answered and said, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that's going to take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So that's the story, Right? And what I want you to see here is the difference that compassion makes. We talk about a new year and a new you. And listen, I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know where you're at in your journey. But I do know, and so do you, where our world is headed, right? We know where the world is headed. I want to show you this graph real quick. It's a population graph of the population of our world since 1400, all right? So if you'll notice in that bottom left corner, if you can see it down there, 1400, they recorded about 390 million people across the globe, right? And as you go through the centuries, the population makes incremental jumps. By the time we get to 1900, we still have less than 2 billion people in the world, about 1.8 billion people around 1900. Now look what the graph does between 1900 and 2020. Crazy, right? Our population has basically crawled along at incremental growth from 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 1900. And within the last 120 years, our population has increased by over 6 billion people. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, there's a song out, there's a, oh, probably an old song, I'm going to date myself, right? Mo money, mo problems, right? But you know what you get when you get more people? More problems, right? Because I don't know if you've noticed in 2022, but our world is a mess, amen? It's a disaster. I mean, listen, <laughs> it doesn't take much effort to read the direction, that not just our world, but our nation 
is going. And it is a mess. And not just with the, the silly nonsense that is being spewed out there that is so anti-God. I'm talking about just the tragedies that people go through. I tried to read through the headlines of 2022 of the tragedies that people have gone through. And I had to stop. Because it's amazing what people are having to endure, right, as they walk through just normal everyday life. Because guess what you have? When you have people, you have what? You got problems. And when you got more people, you got more problems. And the reality is, when Jesus was confronted with all of these people, he saw them with what? Compassion. The Greek word there is the Greek word we get the word spleen from, right? Splaxon. It, 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 it's where we get the word spleen. It means internal organs. It came to refer to that gut instinct, that gut feeling that you have deep inside of you when you're moved at your gut level. That's what Jesus had when he saw these people. It says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, so he had compassion on them. Guess what the disciples saw? They didn't see these people with compassion so they saw them as a problem that we got to solve. We're going to go rest. We're going to get away. And guess what? These people are in the way of my plan. So let's send them away. And what I want you to see is this, that when compassion is present, it changes what you see. Because when compassion is present, biblically, you see people first and problems second. When no compassion is there, you will always see problems first. And people second. And the way it works is this. If you see people first, you can respond to their problems or you'll know how to respond to their problems or you'll want to respond to their problems. When you see problems first, you get to pick and choose who you get to help. Because there are just some things you're going to look at and go, I, I don't want to deal with that. Right? Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The guy gets robbed on the road to Jericho. And guess what happens? The religious guy goes by, the church member goes by, the pastor goes by, and guess what they say? They say, nope, because what did they see first? They saw the what? They saw the problem, they ignored the person, and they went to church. But when the Samaritan came, he saw the person first and helped with the problem. Because that's what compassion does. Compassion sees people first. And I don't know about you, but I believe our world needs to be seen with compassion. Those 7.8 billion people in the world, listen, not all of them know Jesus. And if our mission is to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation, instead of being irritated and aggravated and in a fighting mood with the stupidity of our world's mindset, then we, what we need to see is we need to see these people who are in need of compassion. Because they are sheep without a shepherd. Here's what the Bible says about compassion in Psalm 116 about our God. It says the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of what? Compassion. It says in Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. You can find God's word, describe him as a God of compassion over and over and over again. But what about you and me? What about those of us that follow Jesus? Here's what the writer says in 1 Peter 3. Finally, all of you. How many of you? All of you. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. And what? Be compassionate and humble. Paul writes it this way in Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? 
compassion. And then one more there in Ephesians 4.32, just so you'll see what compassion does. Because listen, compassion clarifies. How many of you own a pair of readers? Let me see you people. Come on, right? Here's our saved people, right? Listen, I don't know if I can survive without a pair of readers, right? Everything that you, that you buy anymore, the writing gets smaller and smaller, right? I mean, every time I pull something out of the fridge, I have to somebody, I have to ask somebody read the expiration date, right? Because unless I have my readers, I can't see any of it, right? Listen, it's the reason why I'm failing at keto because I can't read the instructions right, right? <laughs> so I misread the label, right? Listen, gla- these readers clarify. Listen, I want you to understand the power of compassion. The power of compassion allows you to see people versus problems. And that makes a difference on what we do. Listen to the power of compassion in this verse. Be kind in what? To who? So let's just stop. So let's use compassion to clarify the ability to see other people. Paul says, based on that clarifying work of compassion, he says the next thing you should do is what? Forgive each other. Do you know how hard it is to forgive somebody who's wronged you? Yeah. Some of you know it because you haven't done it yet. You're still here and you're still mad and you're still holding on to something and you won't let it go. Listen, I can tell you this with a clarifying work of compassion. You won't forgive because you won't see the person. You'll see the problem. You see, compassion has so much power that when you see people with it, God then asks you to forgive. Have you ever wondered why God is willing to say to you, listen, just let that injustice go. Just let that wrong go. Just move on. Listen, that don't make no sense to me. Because some of the wrongs that we have suffered as individuals deserves more than forgiveness from our point of view. Yes or no? Of course it does. And yet over and over and over again in Scripture it says, forgive as you've been forgiven. Let it go. I don't know about you, but that frustrates me. And then I read this verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Because here's the thing about compassion. It's like wearing a pair of readers. It clarifies the order. You want to learn how to see people first so the problems aren't the thing that you respond, the thing is the thing you respond to to help people as opposed to seeing problems and going, I got to get rid of people. Have compassion. Compassion makes all the difference in the world. Listen to Matthew 9. Listen, we exist, Tomoka says, we exist to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation. Can I get an amen, church? Listen, that's our, that's our verse of the land. We exist to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation. Listen to the clarifying power of compassion in our mission. Matthew chapter 9, it says Jesus went through all the towns and he villages and he taught in their synagogues. He preached the good news of the kingdom and he healed every sickness and disease. It says when he saw the crowds, he what? He had compassion on them, right? And look what he says. They were harassed and helpless. Listen, I don't know about you, but some of the stuff that's happening in our nation And the United States of America is blowing my mind at how stupid and ridiculous it is. Is anybody else with me? Man, I cannot believe the nonsense that we're talking about. I can't believe there are schools in Arizona that are putting kitty litter boxes in elementary schools for children who come to school and think and identify as a cat. 
Yes, that's happening in our world today. I have friends that preach in Phoenix, and that's happening in some of the public schools in Phoenix, Arizona. Did you ever think we'd have a day where that would be the case in the public school system? There are actually, there are actually closets of clothes in public schools in certain major cities. So when a child gets there and wants to change their clothes to the gender that they identify with, they can do it once they get to school so their parents don't know anything about it. Now, can you believe that that's the country we live in? No, it's ridiculous. It is unbelievable. And it's enough to make your blood boil. Yes? Of course it is. But you know what the world is? According to Jesus, it's harassed and it's helpless. You see, we can either look at the stuff in our world today and we can get angry and we can want to fight and we can be mad at those ridiculous, silly, blinded people or we can see them with compassion. Because compassion says these people that we want to be mad at, we want to be angry at, he said, they're just harassed and helpless. They're just sheep without a shepherd. You know who they need? They need Jesus. And you know how Jesus would see them? He would see them with what? He'd see them with compassion. Not because they were his enemy, but because they need Jesus. You see, it says he saw these people. And then this is what he said to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. Do you agree that the harvest is plentiful for people to know Jesus in our nation? Amen. Do you know that the United States of America has moved from third to second on the, on the most needed country of Jesus in the world? We've become the second place of missionary work in the world, the United States. A nation that was built, right? Built upon these foundational principles of faith has now become the second largest mission field in the world. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. But what? The laborers are... You want to know why it's hard to get people to work in the world, in the, in, even in our nation today, to, come, to get people to come to Jesus? Because we just don't see people with compassion anymore. We've become a divided state. It's us against them. No, it's not. Now listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a normal human being. And my flesh wants to, my flesh wants to get Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or Snapchat, Facebook, every social media, and I want to blast every stupid thing I want to hear in the world. Anybody with me? Listen, I want to just rage against the machine because it is so, it's ridiculous. I can't even begin to describe how furious that nonsense makes me and how our children are under complete attack by this nonsense. But these people are harassed and helpless. And my job and your job as a believer is to get them to Jesus. Amen? That's our job. Listen, if you don't see these people with some compassion, you're never going to want to deal with these people. So Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Listen, you want to make a difference and become a new year, new you? Man, start seeing the world with compassion. Because when you can see the world with compassion, you know what you'll do? You'll become a worker in the harvest field. You'll get back in children's ministry and serve. Because those children are under attack. Those children are being lied to on a regular basis. They're being manipulated. Listen, the enemy has an agenda. He has a message. And they're being told it every chance they can. You want to you serve with compassion in the harvest field? Go, go and serve in student ministry. 
As much as the elementary children are attacked, those students are at war. The things that they're dealing with is beyond comprehension to people who grew up in 1970 and 80. They have some real challenges and they're being lied to over and over. Listen, as long as you didn't play albums backwards in 1970, you were fine, right? But that's not the case today. Today, we're, our, our students and our children are under attack. You want to get in and make a difference? Get back there and serve. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Get out in the parking lot, right? Go to Nairobi, Kenya. Right? Go to the food pantry or thrift store. But here's the thing. If you never see people with compassion, you're always going to see the problems and just move the people out of the way. But if you see people with compassion, you're going to jump down in that ditch, just like the Samaritan did, and you're going to want to make a difference. Does that make sense to you, church? Listen, we'll all, listen, we can all agree how stupid. Listen, we can have a campfire session where we can just just let it out about how frustrating we are, how stupid our nation has become. But when we're done with that, can we get back on mission and get these people to know Jesus? Can we get back and help these people know Jesus? Because that's what they need, man. That's what they need. And compassion is a difference maker. The story goes on. And here's the second thing that happens. This is what Jesus does. And this is, listen, this is one continuous story. So here's the second part of the narrative. Right, they've, they've, they've come, the crowd's there, the disciples say, send them home. Jesus says, feed them. They said, we can't feed them, we ain't got that much money, right? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked them. Then he says, go and see. They found out, and they said to Jesus, we found five loaves, and we also found two fish. Jesus directs them, so Jesus tells the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties, right? Taking the loaves and the fish, Jesus looked to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves, right? He gave them to his disciples, and the disciples set it before the people. Jesus also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who eaten were 5,000. Listen, they can count women and children back then. So the number is probably pretty close to fifteen to 20,000 people. Fifteen to 20,000 people eat, eat on five loaves and two fish. Miracle, yes or no? Yes. Crazy, right? I mean, I can't even fathom being in a place where I watch 20,000 people eat till they're full, right? Eat till they're full of five loaves and two fish. Listen, when my family gets together for a holiday, my number one question is always this. Is there enough food? You know, there's a 20-pound turkey and there's mashed potatoes and seven pies and 27,000 rolls and green bean casserole. And I'm in the kitchen going, do you think this is enough food? Right? I'm always worried about that. Right? Jesus fed, Jesus fed 20,000 people on five loaves and two fish. Miraculous, yes or no? Yeah. Crazy, miraculous. But here's what I want you to see. Without compassion, the disciples saw people as something to get rid of. And guess what happens when you do that? Instead of Jesus doing something through you, he does something for you. When you don't see people with compassion, Jesus can't do anything through you. He only does it for you. Let me explain the difference. My daughter, Harmony, got married over Christmas break. So it was busy, crazy time. My son 
came into town to do the wedding and he brought his 11th, his 11 month old daughter, my granddaughter. She, yeah, she's adorable. I was going to show you a picture, but you're probably sick of seeing those things. So let's move on. Right. But suffice it to say, she is beautiful and amazing. But I was sitting on the couch with my son after the wedding and he, she was, he was holding her and I said, isn't it just amazing that this beautiful 11 month old girl entirely depends on you and Brittany for everything she needs for life? And he looked at me and he goes, really dad? I'm like, you know, this isn't pressure enough, right? But 11 months old, they feed her, they bathe her, they clothe her, they change her, they put her down for a nap. I mean, they are her sole substance for survival. At 11 months old. And that seems normal. Yes? Yeah, of course. Now let's fast forward and make Adeline 11 years old. By the time Adeline is 11 years old, I'm going to be 70. Right? By the time she's 11 years old, we expect Adeline to be able to do some things for herself. Right? At 11, she should be able to, to bathe herself and change herself. She should be able to go into the kitchen and make her own sandwich or get her own bowl of cereal. Yes or no? Imagine at 11 years old if Japheth and Brittany were still doing the same things for her that they were doing for her at 11 months old. Would it be weird? Yes or no? Yeah, it'd be strange. And then let's make Adeline 21 years old. And now, at 21, that girl should be doing these things for herself. She should be able to get a job and buy her own food and buy her own clothes and get her own house. Just in case some of you need to know how that works, right? You know... This is what happens, right? You get to a certain age, you grow, you take care of yourself, right? Now imagine at 21 years of age, Japheth and Brittany are doing the same things for her that they did at 11 months old. Weird, yes or no? Yes. Now think about it, church. God's desire is not for you to be somebody he does stuff for. God's desire is to work through you, not always for you. Right? Let me read a couple of scriptures. Here's what John 14, 12 said. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me. Listen, if you're in the land, if you're online, if you're here in Norman, how many of you have faith in Jesus? Let me hear you say amen. amen. He says, if you have faith in me, right, you will do what I have been doing. And then Jesus says this, he or she will do even what? Greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, God's desire is to work through you, not always for you. Listen, when you're brand new to the faith, yes, God wants to do things for you because you need it. But as you mature in faith, God wants to stop doing things for you and he wants to do them what? Through you. You see, without compassion, the disciples weren't in a place for God to do the miracle through them. Did you get what Jesus said to these people? He said to these people, you give them something to eat. Why? Because God was prepared to do the miracle through who? The disciples. But because they weren't in a place to see these people with compassion, all they did was what Jesus told them to do. You go serve the food. You go pick up the leftovers. You basically become a waiter. And I'm going to do this for you. And you know what Jesus really wanted to do? He wanted to do it through them. You see the difference? Listen. Here's what it says in Philippians 2.13. Paul writes it this way. For it is God who works in you to will and to what? 
to act according to his good purpose. Listen, God's desire is to work through you. Now listen, there are times we need to get out of God's way, right? There are times as human beings, we can put up ridiculous roadblocks to the work that God wants to do. We see it all the time in churches, whether it's through a pastor's leadership or through an elder's leadership. We see it all the time. We talk to people all the time, Joe and I do in ministry, where God's work gets thwarted because men, mankind gets in the way. But God's desire is for you to be smack dab in his will so he can work through you instead of doing everything for you. Because listen, if you're a 21 year old and your mom or mom and dad are doing the same things for you that they did for you when you were 11 months old, you're just a big fat baby, right? It's weird. And do you know how many people who in faith are 20 years old and they still sit in church and they still want God to do everything for them? Make it a great worship service, God. Make it to where I get something and I can take home for me. Maybe what God wants instead is opposed to doing it for you. He wants to do it through you. And maybe you need to be on stage singing. Maybe you need to be like Cody and doing a communion meditation, right? Maybe you need to be serving in the aisle communion. Maybe you need to let God work through you as opposed to continue to come and say, God, just do it for me. 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 I got to find another church because this one just isn't doing it for me. You see, God's desire isn't for you to be 20 years old, 21 years old, and him still doing it for you. He wants to do it through you, right? He wants to work through you. First Corinthians 12 says it this way. There are different kinds of gifts, but it has the same spirit. He says there are different kinds of service, ministry, diakonos, but the same Lord. He says there are different kinds of working. There's a different way to express all of those gifts, but the same God works all of them in all men. It says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Listen, God gave you the gift or the manifestation of the spirit so you could work for the common good. Why? Because God wants to work through you. Everybody in the land online and Norman say through me, through me. Listen, God, yes, will God do things for you? Of course he will. But that isn't the goal as a mature believer. And here's what I want you to see. Without compassion, the disciples weren't in a place for Jesus to do anything through them. Because of their lack of compassion, they had to have it done for them. Who broke the bread? Who performed the miracle? It was in the hands of Jesus. He would have rather it been in the hands of the disciples. Because do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you serve God and he does amazing things through you? It's incredible. The greatest people with buy-in across our nation in the churches today are the people that God's working through, not the people that God's working for. And I will, I will show you. I'll prove it to you. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing that happens in this narrative. So we have compassion sees people first, not problems. You've got Jesus. Listen, with compassion, Jesus can work through you. Without compassion, he only has to work for you. And here's the last one. Here's what I want to know. What happens to our heart in this process? Listen to the rest of the narrative, right? So people have come, disciples are annoyed, Jesus sets them down, Jesus breaks five loaves and two fish and he feeds 15 to 20,000 people. Miracle's over. Here's what happens in Mark 6. Immediately, miracle's over. Immediately, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. So they get out on the sea and they got to go across the sea. These are experienced fishermen, a lot of them. Right? At least four of them are experienced fishermen. They get on the boat. They're headed across the sea. He dismisses the crowd. After leaving them, he went to a mountainside to pray. 
When he evening come, the boat's in the middle of the lake. That's not where it started. It had drifted because the storm had gotten so bad. Their boat had drifted south. They're now in the middle of the lake, right? The boat's in the middle of the lake, and they, he's alone on the land. It says he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. He, about the fourth watch of the night, about three in the morning, he goes out to them, walks on the lake. He's about to pass them by, it says. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cry out because they all saw him and were terrified. Jesus speaks to them. He also speaks to the wind and the waves. It says in the gospel of John, take courage. It's I don't be afraid. Listen to what happens. He climbs into the boat with them. And the wind die down, the wind dies down, and they're completely amazed. And look what happens. And Mark is the only writer to record this. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. So the miracle that was performed on the mountainside with the loaves impacts this moment on the lake. And here's what I want you to understand. When Jesus, listen, we all agreed. If Jesus feeding 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, is that a miracle? Yes or no? And we say, we say, well, if we could see things like that, if we would see Jesus feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, we'd, we would believe we'd be all in. No, you wouldn't. Because you know what happens when Jesus does things for you over and over and over again? Your heart becomes hard. It doesn't change you. It isn't until Jesus does things through you that your heart begins to change. And let's be clear, church. The heart is the place, it is the seat from which our faith has to grow. Scripture says it's out of the overflow of the heart that we speak. The Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, all evil things come. The Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things who can know it. And yet it is the heart of man. It is your heart that God has a desire to fill. It's your heart that God wants to be Lord of. And you know what happens when you have no compassion and you only see people's problems and not the people. Jesus can't do anything through you. He simply has to work for you. And what happens to that person's heart? It gets hard. Two chapters later, Mark's still recording. And listen to what he says in Mark chapter 8. Just, as, just so you get a sense of what a hard heart is like. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Bread, bread just keeps coming up, right? Except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So there's 12 people, right? Jesus makes 13. They got one loaf of bread. Be careful, Jesus says. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The 12 discuss this with one another. You know they're whispering in the boat. And they're saying, is he saying that stuff because we didn't bring enough bread? Right? Aware of their discussion, Jesus says this. Why are you... Talking about having no bread, right? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts still what? Hardened. He says, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, he says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. He says, and when I broke the seven loaves, and he goes on to describe feeding of the 4,000. And here's what you see. No matter how close they stood to the miracle, without compassion, God couldn't work through them. He had to work for them. And their hearts are still hardened. Man, I don't know about you, but my guess is there are a lot of people in church this morning 
maybe even here in Norman, maybe online, maybe in Deland, that over 2022, what happened, the thing that what happened that surprised you the most was your heart grew a little harder. And maybe you saw people with less compassion and you don't know how you got there. Listen, I, I can tell you biblically how you got there. Part of what happened was you stopped seeing people with compassion. And when compassion gets play, gets replaced within our lives, there's lots of things that get in there, right? Judgmentalism, right? We become aggressive. These people are our enemies. They're an annoyance. There's something just to get rid of. Listen, but compassion, listen, compassion changes everything, church. And if our world needs anything, it needs people who know Jesus to have compassion. Because listen, when you got compassion, you're going to jump in that ditch. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to work through you in that ditch. And what's going to happen to your heart? It's going to grow. It's going to grow. And it's going to grow. But when you don't have compassion, you're not in that ditch. You're on the road looking in the ditch while God's working through somebody else. And that eventually doesn't change your heart. It just makes it hard. It just makes it hard. You want a new year and a new you? It's time to get in a ditch. It's time to see the world for what it is. It is harassed and helpless. A sheep, right? It is sheep without a shepherd. And if who's, listen, if we're not going to see him with compassion, who he is? If it's not us, who's it going to be? Right? And I don't know about you, but I want God to work through me. Amen? How many of you want God to work through you? Listen, if you want God to work through you, you're going to have to learn to see people differently. Because my guess is most of our prayers are prayers about God working for us. God, do this for me. God, protect my kids. God, keep my keep my body healthy. God, remove this sickness from me. God, give me this job. God, do this for me. God, work for me. And listen, God's desire is to will and to act through you. Man, we are we are not accessible without compassion. We're not accessible. Listen, compassion sees people. And when we see people through compassion, Jesus can work through us. And he doesn't have to work for us. And in that process, we can avoid, we can avoid having a hard heart. Amen, church? Now I want to close with this. So let's go back to the narrative for just a second. Right? I'm not going to ask you, but my guess is some of you probably had a little bit of a rougher 2022 spiritually than you had hoped. And maybe you've ended up in a place that you're not as happy with as you hoped you would be. And maybe, maybe, just maybe some of you, right, in here, online, in in Deland, some of you, if you're honest, probably have a hard heart. Because maybe it was harder than you thought it would be in 2022 to look at the world that doesn't know Jesus with compassion. Because it just made you mad. Because it just irritated you. I get that. I get that struggle, for sure. But I want you to know something in a narrative. It says that Jesus sends these people away in a boat, and then he goes up on the mountainside to pray. And it says he's alone. And about the middle of the night, Jesus looks out on the water, and it says that he sees the disciples in the boat, straining at the oar because of the length or the power, did you see that? I'm on the last thing and the alarm went off, right? How about that? New year, new me, right? He goes, yeah, let's not kid ourselves, all right? So let's, <laughs> I feel like I should repent right there. That was a lie, right? Um, he, uh, it says that he saw these people. 
He saw these people straining at the oar. The insinuation from the word, right? The insinuation from the language is that he saw these people. Who are these people? These are the 12 who said to Jesus, get rid of the crowd. We have no compassion on them. Send them away because we have an agenda. We need to get some food and we need to get some rest. And Jesus said, no, let's feed them. Those people. Those people whose hearts were hard. And yet the Bible says that Jesus saw them from a long way off. And he saw their straining against the oar. And the insinuation in the Greek language is that he had compassion on them. And then it says he went to them. Here's what I want you to know, church. Maybe you had a bad 2022. And maybe your heart is harder than you thought it would be by the end of this journey spiritually. Listen, that's okay. God understands that. Because the Bible said God is full of compassion and he has compassion for all he has made. And his compassions never fail. You see, you don't have to think, well, mate, I've already messed up. My heart is hard. I, if, if I'm being honest, my heart is hard. I spent 2022 just getting madder and madder and madder. And guess what? I have no compassion for people. Well, the good news is God has still, still has compassion on you. It's just not too late. After my son died and my wife left me and the church that I was serving fired me. And after the apartment I was living in evicted me. And after the police officer that stopped me on the road arrested me. And then after my dad died suddenly at 49, I was an angry young man. And I spent seven years having no compassion for people. Seven years I'd walked away from my Bible college education and my calling into ministry. And I was angry. I mean, I could go from zero to 400 in the blink of an eye. And after seven years of that journey, honestly, I had no idea how to get back home. And I figured that's just the end. I can't. I've gone so far away and I'm so angry and so lacking compassion. I never, ever thought I'd get back home. We're sitting in a church of about 50 people in the middle of Nowhereville, Illinois, with my wife, who wasn't a believer, who had said to me, we're going to have to go to church or try something or our marriage is over. And so we went to this little dinky church in the middle of nowhere that I'd never been to with people that I didn't like. Top it off, I graduated from St. Louis Christian College. This guy graduated from Johnson Bible College. I didn't like him any, either. I was just angry. I didn't want to be there. I had no compassion. And when he got up, he read Lamentations chapter 3. And these two verses changed my life in that moment. And here's what it said. It said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his what? Never fail. And then these words. God's compassions are what? New every morning because great is his faithfulness. In seven years of just anger and hatred and hard-heartedness were gone like that. Because in that moment, all I heard God say was, listen, every single morning cord, every single morning cord, you start over. Every Listen, maybe your 2022 stunk. Great. It's a new year. It's a new you. And here's what the Bible says. God's compassions, they never fail. For his mercies are new. When? Every morning. And maybe you had a terrible ending to 2022. You know what? God's compassions are what? They're new. What? Every morning. Listen, it's never too late. It's never too late for you. Even if you're in the boat with a hard heart. 
Even if you're angry sitting in this, in this church right now or angry online or angry in the land, maybe, listen, what you need to know, it's never too late because God's mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Amen, church. And so if that's you today and you're Norman to the right of the stage, we've got a group of people that would love to talk to you about it. Maybe it'll be your first time. Maybe it'll be your hundredth time. It don't matter. God's compassions never fail. And if you're online, there's a button you can push that says, I have decided. And if you're in Deland, Pastor Ryan will be there at the front of the stage for you as well. Church is never too late. But I want you to know, you want a new year, new you? It's begin, listen, it begins and ends with compassion. Because when you have compassion for people, Jesus will do amazing things through you. And your heart, man, it'll grow and it'll never, ever get hard. Let's pray. Father Jesus, thank you so much for... Thank you so much for your word. I will forever be grateful for North City Christian Church. And I'll forever be grateful for Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. For the hope, for the hope that it gave me. For the hope that it instilled in me that I wasn't too far gone. So Father, I just, I don't know where people are at. I don't know what people are at today here online or in the land. My prayer, Father, is, is that wherever they're at, you will speak to them. I pray, Father, that you remind them that your mercies, they never fail. And because you are faithful, they are new every morning. And, Father, for the rest of the church, Lord, I pray that you will help us to see the world that we live in without anger, without malice, but with compassion. Because these people are helpless. They are helpless and they are harassed and they need a shepherd. So make us a church that sees them the right way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.